Hey, you're listening to The Real Kathy Lee on the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. Thanks for joining me as I share my mom sessions. It's basically my imperfect journey of motherhood. Be prepared to laugh, maybe cry, but hopefully you're going to be encouraged as I share my failures, successes, and offer some tips I've learned along the way. And remember, you've got the... Hey, good morning. I am recording from FPEA in Orlando, Florida. I would love to tell you it's sunny Orlando, Florida, but it is not. It is cloudy Orlando, Florida today. But nonetheless, we are getting this podcast in. And today, I um, it's interesting. I, I just am walking around. There's about 17,000 people here at this conference. It's one of the bigger ones. And I love to people watch. If you don't know that about me, you should, because if you find me in a crowd... If I'm not talking to people, and often I'm actually not, as extroverted as I am, one of my favorite things to do is to sit back and to watch what people are doing, how they're spending their time, what they're doing with their families, their interactions, what causes moms to lose it, what causes dads to lose it, what causes moms to smile and engage. It's just interesting to watch. And again, no judgment because I've done all those things. I've lost it. I've engaged. I've been a hot mess. Usually it's that one. And so I... um, I just try to learn from it and think, what can I do? Right now I'm staring at a grandmother who is here helping with the kids. And there's blocks and toys everywhere. And one child's playing with that. A couple boys are on a device and the grandmother's holding the baby. And, you know, all of it is sweet. They're engaged. They're uh, interacting with each other. Even the boys on a device are somehow interacting. So anyway, it's one of my favorite things to do at conferences is to watch people. So I'm doing that as I podcast. So if I get distracted, it's because I'm busy watching someone. But the talk today is actually, or what I want to talk about, it came from a talk that I've been working on. It's a new talk that I'm doing here at FPEA. I've done um, talks like this in the early childhood world. But again, one of the reasons I got into all of this in the homeschooling world is because I would go to homeschool conferences and I wouldn't see anyone talking about things that, in my opinion, really matter for young children. Developmentally appropriate practices is what I focus on as an educator, making sure that we meet the children where they are to take them to the next level. But if you don't meet them where they are, it's almost impossible to take them to the next level. And so today we're going to talk about that. And I'm just going to go through my talk that I'm giving tomorrow. I thought you might enjoy that and see what you think about it. Let me know how this, if this helps you as you raise your kids and parent them and teach them. But the first thing I want to do is define, you know, why it's important to know ages and stages. What's the value of knowing where your child is developmentally? And so in the early childhood world, again, we call it developmentally appropriate practices. It's an approach to teaching, and it's grounded in research of how young children develop and learn and in what is known as effective early education. Its framework is designed to promote children's optimal learning and development. So there it is right there. We want to grab them at the opportune time. We want to teach them to read when it's the best time to teach them to read. If you try and do that too early, many of you know it's going to fall apart, kind of like potty training. If you try and teach that too early, it is a disaster. You just are cleaning up messes all day long. They're frustrated. You're frustrated. And academically, it's the same. We want to try and teach our kids at the opportune time. So... I thought I would break it down for you and just look at different areas of the child today and go through some of the most important ages and stages so that you can identify those and kind of check off, hey, am I doing this the right way? Am I following through the way that I need to? So 
there are different things. When we talk about the whole child, we talk about them in different areas. We talk about them physically. We talk about them emotionally, socially, and cognitively. And in that cognitive development is understanding of concepts. It's the concepts. It's the language and literacy. All that falls into that um, cognitive development. So we're going to break those down. So the first one is physical development. It's the most obvious, I think. When our kids do things, we notice for the first time because it's big, right? I I think walking and talking are some of the biggest um, ages and stages that we see when they first um, start developing. We, We notice that first word, right? The mama or the dada are usually that sound. We notice the first step. Those are things that are super celebrated. But then as they're learning, you know, up to 200 words by the time of two, we don't celebrate every word. And as they're moving from walking to running to climbing, we don't often celebrate that. But in order to teach them, we need to know that that's the pattern that they take. Because even though kids develop at different times, they typically follow the same pattern. Typically, children will sit up before they crawl. They will typically crawl before they walk. They will typically walk before they run and et cetera. Now, sometimes kids will skip some of those stages, but for the most part, you can kind of predict what's coming next. So with physical development, you know, that's the area of the children that we want to, it's so important that we don't skip out on that, that we aren't, that we are intentional about moving them through the physical developmental stages. And so this is where we're going to talk about spatial awareness, coordination, gross motor, which is that big, big movement, fine motor, which is getting them ready to hold a pencil and write. And so we've got to work on those, strengthening those fine motor skills. It's depth perception. It's muscle strengthening. Again, a lot of that is getting skipped over as our kids are more complacent and more sedentary today. So I really want to encourage you to be intentional about all of that physical space and physical development that needs to happen. For example, you know, between the ages of two to three, our kids are learning to walk up and down stairs. They're learning to jump off one step. They're learning to kick a ball. They're learning to stand or walk on their tiptoes. You might see the kids who start tiptoeing and they start running and dodging. They learn that at that young age. um, But you want to be intentional. So how do you do that? You do that through play. We'll talk about that at the end. You move them through these stages by introducing those concepts. It's funny. I used to tell teachers that it's not something you see if your child can do by testing them. You don't call them over and say, hey, let me see you kick this ball, or hey, let me see you walk up the step. You see if they, if they can do these um, developmental areas, you do it by play. You do it by engaging and play with them. You throw a ball to them and see what they do with it. You, you kick a ball to them and see if they kick it back to you. And that's how we want to engage with our children to do observation and to see. And in our new planner, A Year of Planning Skillfully, we have an area in the planner every month just for observations. And that is for you to be intentional about your kids to notice what are they doing um, developmentally? What are, do you see habits that they're developing? Do you see even um, if you notice that they cry at a certain time of day, what is linked to that? And sometimes when you do that observation, it really helps you understand. I always talk about behavior, that behavior is communication. And so you've got to be in tune with the behavior of your kids and see what it's communicating. And so if you see that um, behavior as you're doing physical movement, as you're playing with them and you see them engaging back or not engaging back, start noticing that, writing that on your observations and then move through that and make some decisions based on what you're observing. So that first area of development is physical that you want to be aware of. You want to see, are they physically progressing? Are they moving through the stages appropriately? Can they walk backwards and forwards as they move to three and four-year-olds? Do they begin to jump off things? And a lot of times they jump too much, right? 
do they play actively but then tire suddenly? That's the developmental stage of being three and four. They, they are full on and then they crash. And some of you might have kids that fall into that. They begin to ride bikes at three and four now. Some with the new cool bikes they have can do it without training wheels, but a lot of kids are still needing that help and support and balance. Um, they are moving and needing that vestibular motion of swinging. They are learning to pump themselves at about four. And then as they move into five, four and five, they're starting to skip. They're starting to run well. They can stand on one foot. They can jump on a trampoline. They're starting to really have more endurance as they play. So notice that. And if your child is not doing that, again, write that in your observation notebook. Keep note of that. And then that's when if you see some patterns developing and you feel like you need to talk to an educational consultant or a pediatrician, if you see some things not progressing, again, the best way to do that is take your observation notebook to that expert and have them help you and try and identify what might be happening. So again, there are developmental checklists all over. You can find those. A great resource for you is naeyc.org. It's the National Association for the Education of Young Children. They really are in tune with what is developmentally appropriate. In fact, they are the one who coined the phrase developmentally appropriate practices. And it is something in the early childhood world that we use all the time. And so now that you in the homeschool world know that, I hope that you will use that. And use, it's a great resource. So once you've moved them through the physical stage or you're aware of that, then I want you to start looking at the cognitive, the language and literacy. It's the one we talk about most in this world as I'm speaking. People always want to know why their child isn't reading and why their child is frustrated. And then when I get some more information, often it's because their child is four and five. And and I have to remind them that when you look at the brain and how it develops, children are not ready to receive reading with ease until closer to seven. Seven is kind of the optimal age. A lot of times it's even eight, depending on your child. It really depends on how their neural, path, neural pathways were formed and are developing as to when they'll read. When a child learns to read does not determine what kind of reader they will be. I've said it a hundred times if you've heard me speak that out of my 10 kids, the one who is probably the best reader, his comprehension is the strongest, is the child who read the latest. His vocabulary is the biggest. And um, academically, he probably is far above the other children, but he read the latest. So don't, the problem is, is that we often take it as a beat down on ourselves, right? If our child isn't reading at four or five, we compare it to our neighbor's child who is, and then there's something wrong with us, especially as a homeschool mom. And I get that because I was that with my first son. I remember he went to Sunday school and somebody asked him to read a verse and he was like five and he couldn't do it. And he was all upset and he said, this sucks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, in Sunday school, he's telling them it sucks because he can't read. I'm a loser mom. But he began to read at about eight and then the boy could read at a 12th grade level by 10. I mean, it was phenomenal. And he devours books, you know, in just a couple of hours now. And and he's almost 23. And it's amazing if we will just give them the space and get them ready and watch what's happening. Are they progressing? Um, are their words increasing? They, again, they go from about 200 words at two to about 2,000 words by the time they hit five, their knowledge of. They start connecting um, that words mean something, that symbols mean something. I know I've mentioned the time that my daughter came in and she labeled our entire house in Japanese and it was incredibly stressful and I very quickly went and ripped them all down. 
not because I don't love her or that I don't want to learn Japanese, but it was so overwhelming to see these symbols all over my house that meant nothing to me. And I think that's the same with children. We have to be careful what we throw at them at one time, expecting that they're just going to get this language. Um, it is a progression. And first, they have to understand that words have meaning. Words have power. Words have value. And so you've got to tell them about everything. You know, always talk, always introduce the words and what they mean. And you know, do so interestingly. And what's fun is the most important word to a kid is their own, right? Their own word, their own name is where they're going to want to start. So they're going to start the letters in their name. And you want to do that. So you want to look through some checklists and say, hey, are they progression and progressing? And I'll put the checklist up on the show notes so you'll get to see some of the things that I'm talking about. Are they moving through, engaging in conversation, describing things, imagining things, creating stories, typical of a five and six-year-old? Again, they're still on that fantasy stage at five and six, but often we want them to already be in that concrete stage. We need to honor that they're in that you know, abstract stage still. And then you want to just focus on if they're not progressing and you don't see them having a real strong interest in reading, not necessarily reading by themselves, but even you reading to them or telling stories, just take note of it in your observation. And to be honest, it's not until they hit about eight. And if you still don't see it, that's when you start asking some questions and getting more curious. But you need to just give them grace and give them permission to develop through those stages as long as they're progressing. I would say for sure. Stages of writing are exactly the same. Kids are going to scribble first. Then they kind of make letter-like symbols. They, you know, define them as letters themselves. And then you'll see a string of letters. I have John Michael's journal. He's now 23 when he was five. And you can just see where it went from me writing everything to he wanted to take the book and write. And it's just a string of letters. And then a few pages later, you can see or, you know, several pages later where he's actually starting to put those letters that make sense and turn into words. And so they move through these stages. They have beginning sounds. They have um, stringing the letters. And then they move into consonants representing words. If you notice, have you ever seen kids inventive spelling, right? You're like, I can see what you're trying to do here. And then they start really understanding um, sounds and transitional phrases. And then they move into standard spelling. So there's about eight stages of writing. And so often we want kids, we're like, why aren't they writing yet? Well, they are. They're in one of the stages, but they're not in the final stage. You've got to help them progress and give them permission to move through. And socially, emotionally is exactly the same way. We expect two-year-olds to understand the concept of sharing. Well, you've got to remember that for the first year and a half of their life or year, especially, everything was done for them. And so when they get to be two, this is why you hear no and mine a lot, because they kind of are ticked off that you've done everything. And they're so excited that they finally can do everything themselves and any, well, not everything, but they can do a lot of things themselves and they want you to know it. And they also have an opinion and they become egocentric and it's all about them. And and sometimes we shame kids for that, but really, it's the, it, this is what we want. We don't want egocentric kids and that it's all about them, but we do want them to be independent. And that, that's the beginning stage of that. That's them starting to move towards that. We, we want them to be that way and to be strong on themselves. And sorry, as again, I'm, we're at a hotel, so we're going to hear things. I had a group of kids screaming just a few minutes ago, which was hilarious. So, But you know my podcast. I always have people screaming and dogs barking and kids yelling, so... It's just what we do here on this show. But um, anyway, back to social emotional. So you want to give them opportunities to move through. You've got to give them, I mean, there's going to be conflict. I mean, that's how they learn to work out their problems. It's interesting with the device kind of craze, you don't see as many kids having to work through problems because every kid has their own device, so they don't have to do sharing. Sharing doesn't really come around to about age three anyway before a child understands the concept of sharing. It is not developmentally appropriate to expect it before. Now, you can you know, be excited when they share. You can encourage them when they share, but you need 
to know, for the most part, their brain just doesn't get it. Until three or three and a half. So you need to be patient with them as they move through this stage of sharing. And it's like that with social emotional throughout the first seven years. They are going to try and figure out friendships and relationships and they're going to go through phases where they don't like anyone they're going to go through phases where they're obsessed with um, their parent of the opposite sex and they kind of don't like the parent of the same sex then they're going to reverse then they're going to only want the parent of the same sex so you just need to really be patient with them as they move through this and again as long as they're progressing and moving towards independence moving towards um, friendships even like with play so many parents don't understand that when children are little in that first year year and a half they are in isolated play that is the stage of development they're in. So it's all alone. They want to be by themselves. It's kind of them and their toy, their toes, their whatever they develop. It doesn't mean you don't need to be talking to them. You do. In fact, if you want their language development to be on um, target, you really do need to be spending a lot of time with them. What research is showing now is because of all the devices, parents are not talking on the phone to their friends, they're not talking to their spouses, they're not talking to the kids. Even within the home, devices have taken over so much that babies are talking later um, because they're not hearing as much adult communication. So we do need to be intentional with that language development so they move through that. And then the social emotional as they move through the stages of isolated play and then they move to parallel play which is kind of side by side play and you see this in the two year old range you see a bunch of kids will all be together and they're kind of playing side by side but they're not engaging necessarily together it's not again until about three three and a half where they move into that cooperative play where they actually initiate and are friends and they play together and so four five six they start that hey I want so and so to come over definitely by seven they've moved into that where they will initiate play with someone else So we want to notice, are they progressing through that? Do you see them moving through those different stages? And your role as a parent, I think, is so important. And what people always ask me, what what do we do as a mom to help our kids or a dad to help us our kids move through these stages? Again, do it through play. Play is the thing that develops the brains, the um, pathways in the brain. It is the thing that gets them ready for abstract learning. It is the the one thing that they must have. Stuart Brown is a pediatrician, a psychologist who said, play is the only thing that all by itself can form the brain properly. It doesn't matter if you have all these worksheets or all these different things, it's play. It is play that does it all by itself if you will just invite children to discover and experience and have a sense of wonder about their world, they really will develop in every area that you want. So as a parent, you are to observe, you are to watch your kids, be aware of what they're doing. Do you see them regressing? And and sometimes they do regress, progress, regress, but do you see them stopping at a different stage or not moving on to the next one? Get curious at that point. Write those observations down. Your goal is to, your job is to facilitate. It's to set up great inviting environments for them to engage. That will help them. It is to invite friends over when they get to be about three or four for sure. So if they have the opportunity for cooperative play to, to problem solve, to work out conflict resolution so that they can develop that. It is to allow them to role play, to do imaginative play, to dress up. That's going to develop executive function in them and help them be decision makers as they get adults. It's all important that you facilitate it. You don't have to sit with them and play 24-7. You just got to set up a great environment so that they can engage in that. Um, You're to be a guide. You're to be an encourager. And then you're to remember what it was like to be a child yourself. Often we focus so much on what we would label academics 
And we forget that the play, that is the academics for a child. Fred Rogers, who you know that I love, Mr. Rogers, said it best, is that for an adult, play is, you know, not, it's the opposite of learning, but for, it's it's the opposite of work, but for a child, it is their work. And so we need to honor their work of play. So you need to remember what it was like to be a child. Often, as adults, we forget what it was like to be a child. You need to do that, and you need to write that down. And I love this quote from J.C. Pierce. It says, every stage of development is complete in itself. The three-year-old's not the incomplete five-year-old. The child is not an incomplete adult. Never are we simply on our way. Always we have arrived. Enjoy now. And I think that's so true for our um, children. Often we want to rush them through a phase. We don't want to honor right where they are now. So I hope you will do that. I hope you have a great week and you will take these ages and stages. And again, I'll throw um, this checklist on the show notes so you'll have it. In the meantime, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email at Kathy at the Homegrown Preschooler and let me know what you think and how your child's progressing. If you have questions about where they are developmentally, I definitely am happy to help you with that. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. You're listening to The Real Kathy Lee on the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. Thanks for joining me as I share my mom sessions. It's basically my imperfect journey of motherhood. Be prepared to laugh, maybe cry, but hopefully you're going to be encouraged as I share my failures, successes, and offer some tips I've learned along the way. And remember, you got this. been listening to The Real Kathy Lee. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. To find out more, check out therealkathylee.com. You can download us every Friday on iTunes or your favorite app to listen to the podcast. Hey, if this hot mess can rock motherhood, so can you.